0: All right, turning your Bibles to Romans chapter number 8. We are in the 6th week of this 10-week series. Hard to believe that we're already uh, over the halfway point in this series as we're walking through Romans 8 and if you're new with us in this series that we've entitled Champion, really looking at the amazing reality that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you place your trust in Jesus' perfect life and perfect death and resurrection for your sins, in other words, that you believe today that you have fellowship with a holy God and a home awaiting you in heaven, not because of the good that you do or have done, but because of the perfection that Jesus Christ has done on your behalf and you're trusting in what he has done for you, not in what you can do for yourself, then what we see in Romans 8 is that we are champions in Jesus Christ. That we're not champions because of what we have done, but we're champions because of what Jesus Christ has done. And in the end of Romans 8, and we're going to get there in a few weeks, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That we as followers of Jesus Christ do not live this life that we see Paul referred to over and over again as a battle or as a fight. That we don't live this battle, we don't walk through this fight as victims, but rather as victors because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we've been walking through these verses now in verses 26 and 27 this morning, looking at the amazing reality that we have and the strength that is provided by God through Jesus Christ by means of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I hope that You've been encouraged in your walk with the Lord as I've been encouraged in my walk with the Lord as I've been taking time to study these verses on my own and asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to see to encourage me and to convict me in my walk with you, in my fight, so that I can be like Paul and at the end of my life say, though I was not perfect, I've fought the good fight, I've kept the faith. And that's God's desire for every one of us. And so now we find ourselves in verses 26 and 27. Mark did a masterful job last week dealing with verses 18 through 25. And if you haven't encouraged him already, I hope that you do that. Um, And I'm so thankful that he did because I've finally gotten over my jet lag. And those of you who were here last week know that myself and DJ, who's functioning as our executive pastor, that, that we had the opportunity to go to Estonia, a place that we have had a ministry Uh, in for a long time, and and there was an opportunity for us to go over there, and I wanted um, just to see the work that we've had the opportunity to do as a church for a long time and look at ways that we can even uh, further that work, and so we went over there. Um, and met up with Josh Lindstrom, who's the pastor at Woodman Valley Bible uh, Chapel. And so it was great for us to go there together and to look at how our churches can partner together. And so our elders are going to be discussing and deciding on on ways that we will be able to do that in this next budget year in 2018 and give you and all an opportunity. Here's what we did over there is for the past years, we've sent English camps over there, our teenagers over there, and we're going to be doing that in the future, Lord willing. But one of the other things that we really wanted to do is how to accelerate church planting over there. Estonia is made up of 1.2 million people, and less than 1% claim to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's almost an unreached people group. And so going over there and seeing the work that is going on over there through the M4 Movement, which is an organization in Europe that that is designed to to train church planters. And so we went over there and spent some time with some of the churches that are leading that charge and then having the opportunity to meet with some of the church planters and their teams and just be overwhelmed by, you know, when you go over to a country that's totally post-church. The refreshing thing about it is you have people that have no concept of who Jesus is and you have people that are sold out for him. You don't have that middle ground of people pretending. Like, it's just not there. And so to be with with church planters, many of them in their early 20s, newly married, and because there's this generation gap over there where you just have a whole generation that just doesn't know anything about Jesus because they were under Soviet... uh, rule for 30 years ago. And so to be over there and to see their passion and to see um, just their heart for furthering God's church and just reminded yet again of what Jesus said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so just an awesome opportunity um, to be able to be there a couple weeks ago and look forward to sharing with you as we get closer to the new year of the tangible ways that you as a part of this church will be able to have an opportunity to even go over there and minister so that church planting can further on. And so just mention that to you just so you can celebrate and pray for us as elders on how we best come alongside of that ministry and have wisdom in how we steward the funds that God has entrusted to this church. And so all that to say... That I'm thankful that uh, that Mark uh, was able to preach last week, and he dealt with verses 18 through 25, just talking about the hope that we have, the hope that we have that even in the midst of our present sufferings, as verses verse 18 says, that they're not they're not even comparable to the amazing reality that awaits us in heaven one day for all of eternity. And how creation even groans for that day. I don't know about you, but I don't need to be reminded that we live in a world that's tainted with sin. Even creation is. When you hear about the natural disasters that are happening, that even the hurricanes that we saw ravish Houston and Southwest Florida, and and that those will not be the last to do so. That creation groans, longs for a day when Jesus Christ will come back and make all things new. And Paul mentions how creation groans. He also mentions how we groan. Our bodies groan for a day when all things will be made new. Do I need to, re- to remind you that your body groans? I don't, I don't think I do. And how we long for the day when we will be, our bodies will be like who Jesus Christ was after his resurrection. No more pain, no more suffering, no more depression, no more discouragement, no more tears, no more cancer, no more handicaps. No more heart disease, none of those things, but, but how our body's even grown for that day and long for that day and how that day gives us hope. But can we be honest? It is church, right? Can we be transparent? The how many of you last week were like, man, I know I'm supposed to have that hope, but it's hard. I'm struggling today. I know when I walk out of those doors that that's the hope that I've been called, that that's the hope that I look for and I endure this present suffering, longing for that hope. But right now, I'm not sure I have the strength to hope that way. Do you think that? I wonder if you did. Because what I find interesting is in this whole chapter of chapter 8 that it just Paul describes to us what we have in the Holy Spirit. Like oftentimes, and those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ and have been part of the church for any length of time, we know that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're given the Holy Spirit. And we know that in our head, but oftentimes we struggle. And, Man, how does that tangibly help me today in this situation, in this difficulty, in this tragedy? And we've seen in Romans 8 that Romans 8 is a great place to go and we want to remind ourselves of what have I been given in the Holy Spirit. Can we just review for a second how that we saw in verses 5 through 7 the Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset, a new way of thinking that when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden there's a desire to want to see this Bible in a different way. There's all of a sudden this desire to want to obey what God's Word says in the Bible, doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but when I do sin and when I do choose to go my own way, that now there's a conviction to want to make that right and to fall back in line with what God desires me to do and how to live. And that's a new mindset that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. We saw in in verses 11 through 14 how we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That power to say no to sin. That power to have over our sin struggles. And how we can tap into that and, and realize that and see that I don't need to be a victim. But I'm a victor in Jesus Christ. And I have that power of the Holy Spirit to nurture my heart. To grow in my knowledge of Him. To grow in my walk with Him. So in verses 15 through 17. How the Holy Spirit reminds me that I'm a child of God. That I have the right, not in and of myself, but because of what I've been given in Jesus Christ. That I'm adopted by God and the price was Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. And I have the right now to call God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God that I can call him Father. That that's the relationship that I have. And the Holy Spirit reminds me of that over and over and over again. But now we come to verses 26 and 27. And here's what I love about these two verses. Is they tell us how the Holy Spirit cares for you. They tell me how the Holy Spirit cares for me. Like up to this point, if you've been dealing with adversity and struggle, you may have even said, well, that's... I know I have a new mindset and, and I know I have the power that comes from the Holy Spirit and, and I know I'm a child of God, but man, I'm struggling on, on, on how do I live in that in the midst of the difficulty and the tragedy and the adversity and the suffering that I'm encountering right now. And what you're going to see in these two verses is specifically how the Holy Spirit cares for you. You. When you have no more answers, when you have no more clever statements, when you can't fake a smile anymore when you come into church, when all you have is your need. And what we're going to see today is that's when the Holy Spirit shines the brightest and cares the most. And so I want us to pray this morning, because here's what I know, is that in a crowd this size, there's many in this room, probably the majority, that are struggling. Struggling with a relationship, struggling with a tragedy, struggling with some type of suffering. And if you're really transparent, you would say, I don't know if I can keep going like This. Not trying to speak in hyperbole, trying to be real. And I'm glad you're here because the Holy Spirit wants you to hear how He cares for you. So let's pray. God, I thank you today for the opportunity that we've already had to gather together as the Lord's people in the Lord's house to give the Lord, you, Lord, the glory that you deserve. And Lord, I don't want to be naive and I don't want to be remiss, and I don't want to dismiss that there's many in this room who are hurting. Many in this room who have no more clever answers, have nothing else in them to try to pretend like everything's okay. And Lord, what you want them to understand is that is okay. Because that's when your Holy Spirit is felt the most. That's when the Holy Spirit cares in a way that cannot be compared to any other person or any other thing. And so, God, I know that your word is going to speak because when your word is open, your mouth is open. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give me wisdom to not get in the way of what you want to say today to every person, whether they're on a mountaintop in their walk with you or they're in a valley. Lord, would you give us ears to hear what you want us to hear and eyes to see what you want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the title of this message this morning. Simply this, feeling helpless? Are you feeling helpless this morning? Because if you are, verses 26 and 27 apply to you today. So hopefully you're there. Would you look at it with me in verses 26 and 27 I'm actually going to jump up to verse 25 just to remind ourselves of what Paul has said previously in this passage. He says at the end of verse, or verse 24, now, hope, is, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? So, so we don't long for something that we already see. But if we hope, verse 25, for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait for it with endurance verse verse 20 verse 18 Paul says I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. So we have that reality, that promise that yes we are going to suffer. Can we just stop there? Like don't let anybody tell you that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ that every day's a Friday, that every day has sunshine and rainbows. It's not reality. And you don't need but a couple days after you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to realize that. Yes, I have a hope. Yes, I have joy. But that doesn't remove suffering from from me. Sometimes I can endure more. Because now I have a massive target on my back. And like John 10.10 says, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But thanks be to God that Jesus says, I've come to give life and to give it abundantly. So don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there's not joy and there's not hope like you've never experienced before when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But also I'm not saying that suffering is removed either. Now you have a hope, now you have a joy in the midst of suffering. But like I said at the beginning of this message, it's hard. Can we just admit it? That this Christian walk, that's why Paul calls it a battle in Ephesians 6. That's why Paul calls it a fight when he writes to Timothy in his epistles, and his letters to Timothy. It's a fight, it's a battle, and it's hard. And there are going to be times in our life where we just come to the end of ourselves. But that's the beauty that we see in verse 26 when he says likewise. So yes, we're supposed to Hope for the day when Jesus Christ comes back and makes all things new. And yes, that gives us perspective in the midst of our pain. But here's what we also need to remember, Paul says. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Like, let's just be honest. It's, we're weak. It's hard. But the Holy Spirit helps us in that. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Like, you ought to be saying inside a hearty amen. Like You're like, well, I already knew that. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here's what we need to understand this morning. Here's what we need to grasp this morning as we look simply at these two verses. It's this idea. That when we are feeling helpless, it's not hopeless when I understand I have a helper. Like when I'm feeling helpless, it's not hopeless when I understand I have a helper. Capital H. And how often, I think to myself when I was just looking throughout the New Testament That really every time Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit in John 14 or John 16, that he could refer to the Holy Spirit in so many different terms. But the term that he uses to refer to the Holy Spirit is, he says, I am sending you a helper. I find that so interesting. That Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as our helper. Helper. And so if we're going to understand and believe this idea that feeling helpless is not hopeless when I understand I have a a helper, and that helper is the Holy Spirit, then I think we need to answer the question, and verses 26 and 27 are going to answer those this morning. How is the Holy Spirit my helper? How is the Holy Spirit my helper? And here's the first way, and we see it at the beginning of verse 26. He picks up what I can't carry alone. He picks up what I can't carry alone. Look at what it says at the beginning of verse 26. It says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now that word help is an interesting word. It literally means this. It refers to a person coming alongside another to take part of a heavy load and help him bear it. So it's literally the idea, like, if I was to try to pick up this piano on my own, probably not going to happen. But if I got someone on the other side and I said, okay, let's pick it up together, chances are we could do that. Why? Because I've come to the place to realize I can't pick this up on my own. So I'm going to, therefore, ask for help, and that other person is going to come, and we're going to be able to pick it up together. We're going to be able to bear that weight together. That's the idea of help. Think about it. Whenever you've had to move out of a house or move into a new house for whatever reason, you know what I found out? That is a great filter to figure out who your friends really are. Am I right? Like all of a sudden, man, all these people that were your buds, man, and and you go out and watch a game with, and all of a sudden every single one of them are busy. No matter if you do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, next week, two weeks from now, month from now. Have you ever found that out? Like, you know who your real friends are. Your real friends are the ones who help you move. And what I think is so interesting is when you look at this passage of Scripture, in in just the first part of verse 26, that word help, meaning carrying one carrying someone's burden who can't bear it on their own you know what that you know what that literally as we tease out that idea here's what it means the holy spirit does not give armchair advice here's what i mean by that let's go back to the moving analogy Say you invite a bunch of friends over to help you move and like you have just enough to pick up everything that needs to be picked up. Like nobody can be taking a break and all that. You have just enough people. And one of those guys or ladies just sits down, gets a drink, and like puts on their supervisor hat and is like, hey, you know the best way to get that heavy, heavy dresser out of, the, out of that bedroom is if you tilt it a little to the side. They don't get up and help. They just say that. Then you move in the refrigerator and they're like, you know, it would be a lot easier than you trying to break your back and pick that up is why don't you just go get a dolly? I don't know about you, but after two suggestions and someone like that helping me move, I might say something I don't want to say. You, right? What's awesome is, is the Holy Spirit. That's not the idea of help. The Holy Spirit doesn't sit back and say, man, oh, man, if you were just a little more spiritual, you could totally handle that. Man, if you just had enough faith, you'd be able, I don't know, I have no idea why you can't endure that. You should be able to endure that. Why don't you have the strength to endure that? If you just read your Bible a little bit more, you'd be able to endure that. The Holy Spirit doesn't sit back and tell you that. But the idea of help is the idea that the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 here's what I understand. You're weak. And I'm gonna come alongside of you and I'm gonna help you bear that burden. See, that's the first way that, as we see in this passage of Scripture in just two verses, probably two verses that are more clear in how the Holy Spirit helps us than any other passage in the New Testament. That the first way the Holy Spirit is my helper is he picks up what I can't carry alone. And some of us in our walk with the Lord just need to admit what the beginning of verse 26 says, you and I are weak. You and I need help. Just being transparent cuz we're supposed to we're being real today, right? Is I got a real hard time asking for help. I do. Like even when I know that I need help, I for some reason I have a hard time asking for help. Whether that's direction somewhere, I mean, like I can walk into a store that I've never been before, and in my mind I'm telling me, even though I've never been in here before, I can find what I'm looking for. I don't need to go ask the five people that are there that I passed by. I can find it on my own. Like like that's how. Anybody else with me that can just like sympathize with me this morning? Raise your hand. Come on, raise it high. We're being real this morning. Thank you. All right, we all can be together in this. So I'm not up here on my own. It doesn't matter if it's going into a store. It doesn't, I have very little mechanical ability. YouTube has helped me a little bit. I got a hard time asking for help in my car. I got a hard time asking for help in anything. And I thought to myself this week as I was understanding this word help, I thought to myself, man, why is that? And I came to this realization about me. I don't like to come across needy. Can you identify with that? Like nobody really likes to come across needy. And so we like to pretend that we have it all together, that we have all the answers, that we know how to do everything because we equate weakness and need with weakness. Right? But when I look at this passage of Scripture, I don't see this motivation to pretend. This motivation to pretend to be something that God never intended me to be. I don't see this promotion in Scripture that Christians are to present themselves like they're always on top of everything. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. But rather there's a call for us to embrace the reality that we full well know but often don't want to admit that you and I are weak and we can't carry what we encounter in this life alone. And the first step to us experiencing the care of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to embrace that reality that you and me on my own we're weak. I can't fight this fight on my own. I can't defeat the foes that are in front of me on my own. But I need someone who can help me carry what I can't carry alone. And some of us just need to stop pretending. Some of us need to lower the wall. See, some of us are so used to pretending that we have it all together that it even filters into our prayer life. You ever find that? Like you're alone with God and hopefully you're on your knees praying out loud with a list. Like, like we've given suggestions on to help your prayer life and you're praying out loud. you ever find yourself like totally playing the game that you play with everybody else and acting with God like you got everything together? And God, I thank you for this day and just help me today as I encounter the things that I need to encounter, and God, be with my kids, and all of that stuff, and not that any of those prayers are wrong, but we know inside, man, we're struggling, and we even find ourselves putting on the mask with God, and then all of a sudden, you get hit with the reality, wait a minute, God knows everything, he knows right now that I'm struggling. He knows right now that I feel like that I'm at the seven and the eight and the nine count and I'm just waiting for the ref- spiritual referee to say 10. Like, he knows that. Let's embrace it. Stop pretending. You weren't made to be able to live and fight this fight on your own. You weren't made that way. God didn't intend you to be that way. You're not always on top of things. Stop pretending. Stop pretending. The Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness. Embrace that promise. Embrace that hope. That you have a helper who carries what you and I can't carry alone. I was thinking this week about questions that we often ask but never want to admit. When we're encountering adversity, when we're encountering struggles, when we're encountering tragedy. These are the questions that I came up with, and they're probably, you can probably resonate with them that you've probably asked one or all of these at one time, and you may be asking them now. So, can we just be real and get them out on the table? Here they are. Here's the first one What if my faith fails under the weight of this burden? You thinking that right now? Like, I know I'm supposed to have hope, and I know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I know I have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know I have a new mindset. And I know I have the ability and the right to call God Father through Jesus Christ. But What if my faith fails under this burden, under this weight? It's a question we ask but don't want to admit. Here's another one. Will my weakness in faith discourage the faith of others? Like I come in these doors and I feel like i got to put on a smile. I walk into life group. I feel like i got to put on a smile. And i got to pretend everything's okay. Because if I'm going to be really honest, I'm scared that my weakness in faith right now would discourage the faith of others. It's wrong thinking, but don't we ask it? We don't want to admit it, but we ask it. Here's another one. Is God's will really what's best for my life? If you haven't asked that yet, you will. It's God's will really what's best for my life? Here's another one. Does God even care about what I'm going through? Oh, yeah, oftentimes that stays in here. Never comes out of here. But let's just lower the wall and admit it. Yeah, I've asked that. I'm asking that right now. Does God even care what I'm going through right now? How about this one? Definitely one we wouldn't want to admit, but maybe you've asked. What if the Bible, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, it's all a sham? Definitely don't want to admit that out loud. What would people think? But I wonder if you've asked it. Because if you're asking all of those questions, or one of those questions, or maybe another one that isn't on this list, here's what I want you to understand, and here's what I see when I look at the beginning of verse 26, and it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Really, what he's doing, he's connecting that to the previous verse in verse 25, that yes, I'm supposed to wait and to hope with endurance, but here's what the Holy Spirit knows. That's hard, and you can't do it on your own. So here's the beauty of it. The Spirit helps you in that weakness. And some of the most profound words that we can ever pray are these Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And I don't know how to react. I need your help. Those are some of the most precious words you can pray. If you can't pray anything else, you pray that. But I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to react. I just know I need to cry for help. Because I have a helper who will carry what I can't carry alone. Ray Ortland Jr. is a pastor in a church in Nashville called Emmanuel Baptist Church, and he writes on these verses and he says this. I thought this was so good that I just wanted to read it verbatim. He says it is hypocrites who always have the answers and always have something to say and think. They know everything. That's not a Christian we want to strive to be. But it's the saints who are led by the Spirit out in the extremities of life, where all they have left is empty hands lifted before God. All they have left is the anguish of their hearts. All they have left is nothing but need. It is helpful, helpless people like that whom the Holy Spirit helps lay hold of God even more than they know. Such believers are not failing to live the victorious life. They are, in fact, more than conquerors even when they do not even know what to pray. They are God's saints living out His plan not only in its glorious outcome but even in its agonizing process. See, it's saying, man, what do I do when all I have left is my faith? And I feel like that's hanging on by a thread. But like I said at the beginning of this message, here's what we need to understand. is we have a helper who helps us carry what we can't carry alone. And it's when we're at that place where we realize our weakness and we realize we can't do it on our own, and we realize I can't pretend anymore, and we realize that that we don't have the answers anymore, it's in that place when the Holy Spirit does His greatest work. That's why Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or think, according to His power at work in us, It's in those times when the Holy Spirit does immeasurably more than we can ask or think. It's in those times in our greatest weakness where the Holy Spirit does His greatest work. And don't get me wrong, listen, times of adversity and times of suffering and times of tragedy, they are not pleasant. I know that's obvious, but I want to say that they're not pleasant. It's not when you get through one storm that you're like, I can't wait till the next one happens. They're not pleasant. But what I found in my life, and it's those times, though they're not pleasant, they are extremely powerful. Because it's a place where I experience a supernatural peace in the midst of enormous pain. They're not pleasant. They're horribly painful, but it's in those places where I find that the most power and the most peace and who the Holy Spirit is, is in a color and in full color in a way that cannot be attained in times of calm. Because it's in those times where I grow in understanding and appreciating that though I feel helpless, I'm not hopeless because I have a helper. And that helper carries what I can't carry alone. Here's what I want you to do. Look to the person next to you and say, it's okay to ask for help. Go ahead. It's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It doesn't make you less than a person. It doesn't mean that you're not strong. It doesn't mean that you're not a man or a woman. It means you're human. And it reminds ourselves of the blessings and the power and the glory and the preciousness of what we have been given as followers of Jesus Christ who fight this fight, who battle this battle, who wage this war of the flesh and trying to do and living the way that God wants us to do and what his word says, that it's in the midst of all that that we have this helper who comes alongside of us and says, you can't carry that, but I can. Here's the second thing. And it's found at the end of verse 26 and 27. How's the Holy Spirit my helper? Number one, he picks up what I can't carry alone. Here's the second thing. He prays for me when I'm at a loss for words. Is that you today? You're like, man, I know I need to pray. I want to pray. But I'm just at the end of myself that I can't even get out a word. I've prayed everything that I can think of. And all I can say is help. Or maybe I can't even get that out. Look at what God's word says. Look at the end of verse 26. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Like many of you are probably already there. You've come to that realization. But here's the hope in the midst of our helplessness. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That word groan, it's the third time that we find it in this passage of Scripture in Romans 8. We found it in verse 22 when we talked about creation groans. We find it in verse 23 where our bodies groan for a day when all things will be made new. But now we find that the Spirit groans. And it's not the idea that the Spirit is groaning because something's wrong with Him, remember, he's the third person of the Godhead. He's perfect. It's not that. But it's the idea that he's identifying with what you're going through. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a hospital room or how many times I've walked into a funeral or how many times I've gotten a phone call that you never want to get. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what to say. What can you say? There's nothing that I can physically say that's going to take away your pain right now. And I almost think if you ever got to a place where you think you have something to say, that's probably not good. there's tremendous hope in saying, though I don't know what to say. And you don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit knows what to say. Because he prays for me when I'm at a loss for words. See, a real burden bearer groans with you. So you may be going through something right now and nobody else can identify with what you're going through. You may be going through something difficult and though we can sympathize and someone can be with you and pray with you and wrap their arms around you and that is so needed and so helpful and so godly, unless someone's walked through that exact thing and even in that circumstances could be different. People may not know exactly what you're going through, but when I see this verse, what I'm reminded of is we have a real burden bearer who groans along with us in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our adversity, in the midst of our tragedy. That we have a real burden bearer. He's a helper, capital H. He's the one who can help you and help me in the way that no one else can. And when I understand that he prays for me when I'm at a loss for words, here's what that does. It frees me from from thinking that I need to have all the answers. Because I don't. And we just need to embrace the reality that in times of suffering or times of adversity or times of tragedy, that there are situations where we will never fully have all the answers until we are with Jesus Christ forever one day. I think some of us are feeling this pressure and feeling this burden that we need to have all the answers on why this happened exactly the way that it happened. And here's what I see when I see verse 26, when the Holy Spirit intercedes with me with groanings too deep for words, is it frees me up from saying, I don't have all the answers. I don't have them all. But it's when you come to that realization that you don't have all the answers that you're at a point of breakthrough. That you're at a point of experiencing the care of the Holy Spirit in a deeper way than you've ever experienced before. That your faith has the opportunity to grow stronger than it ever has before. You may have seen this, I haven't. But whenever I've gone to a community pool, you know what I've never seen? I've never seen a grown adult man swimming with floaties on. Anybody here? I would love to know this. Never seen a grown adult woman with floaties on. Never seen that happen. Who has the ability to swim on their own. Never seen that happen. You know why? Because thankfully, somebody at some point in their life before they were a grown adult man or grown adult woman, who's swimming in the deep end, loved them enough to at some point take off the floaties and throw them in or urge them in. My kids, threw them in. Don't judge me. Threw them in. And taught them how to swim in the deep end where they couldn't touch the sides and they couldn't touch the bottom. And that's what God does with us. Remember, I didn't say I had all the answers. And you may never have all the answers on why you're going through what you're going through of what you've gone on in the past that you're still grieving over. But here's one thing I do know. Is God is using that to get you to learn to swim in the deep end so that you can be stronger in your faith. So even when you don't have all the answers, one thing you can say is, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't have the clever responses. God, I can't even pretend anymore. But here's one thing I know. I trust you. My faith is growing. And it's not because of me. It's because the Holy Spirit is praying for me. Remember those questions that I gave earlier on questions that we don't want to admit that we often ask? Well, when I understand that I don't need to pretend to have all the answers and the Holy Spirit is praying for me, And in those times where I maybe feel like I'm in the deep end and I can't touch the sides and I can't touch the bottom, or to use our boxing analogy, I'm on the mat and the ref is going seven, eight nine, and I feel like he's going to count ten and I'm going to be out and my faith has failed, that we have the Holy Spirit who's going in the midst when we feel like I can't take one more breath and I'm drowning, that all of a sudden we're going to feel the arms of the Holy Spirit underneath us and say, no, 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 I got you. That when you're on that mat and it's seven, eight, nine, that you have the Holy Spirit who's going to run and pick you up and say, "No, no, 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 I got you. That's what these verses are saying, that we have the Holy Spirit who helps us in our weaknesses, and he prays for us with groanings, two, deep, four words. He's identifying with what you are going through, and it's his arms that are going to keep you from drowning, from falling, from being counted out. I love what Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven 27 says, the eternal God is your refuge. Listen to this, and underneath are the everlasting arms. That's why 1 Peter 5 7, a verse we so know, so know so well, so many of us, when it says, Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He carries what you can't carry alone. He prays for you when you're at a loss for words. And that frees me up to be able to say, I don't need to pretend that I have all the answers. And it also gives me hope in saying, man, I can trust that he, the Holy Spirit, is working on my behalf. So you think about this. When I want to ask, what if my faith falls underneath the weight of this burden? Here's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is praying for strength when my faith is straining under the weight of my burden. When I'm saying, Lord, I don't know if I can go on I'm worried that my faith is going to fail. The Holy Spirit is praying for strength so that it doesn't. When I want to ask, will my weakness in faith discourage the faith of others, here's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's praying for joy so that my faith will testify to others that I'm a champion in Christ. See, what I'm worried, man, is... Is someone else going to be discouraged when I say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling right now? No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit in the midst of that struggle is praying for you to experience joy in the midst of that pain. You know how many times I've walked into different difficult places and walked in there, and I've said this before, saying, man, I don't know what I'm going to say, and praying, God, I don't know what I'm going to say, I don't know what I'm going to do. And more often times than not, I walk out of that room back to my car more encouraged by that person than even the encouragement that I could bring them. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit was praying for that person. For their joy to shine bright, the fruit of the Spirit, that joy to shine bright in the midst of of that suffering, What if I'm asking, is God's really what's best for my life? The Holy Spirit's praying for perspective so that you will see God's best. That his will is best. You say, hey man, does God even care about what I'm going through right now? And you're asking yourself that. I want you to understand if that's you today. The Holy Spirit is praying right now for you to experience his peace so that you can trust that God does care for you. He's interceding on your behalf. What about if you're asking, man, what if the Bible, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit's all a sham? The Holy Spirit's not intimidated by that question. The Holy Spirit's praying for your faith to hold to what is true. He prays for you. And he prays for me. When I don't know what to pray, when I don't have the strength to pray, when all I can get out is a groan, here's what you need to understand. If that's you right now, that's the most beautiful prayer that you can pray right now. You know what I've found? Is the more suffering and the more adversity you go through, the more simple your theology gets. You ever find that true? True. Because I sure have, and the more and more I find myself saying, man, there's a lot that I don't understand. There's a lot of different takes on certain passages of Scripture, not excusing that we don't know our Bible, or, or not, not, that's not where I'm going with this. But what I've found is the more adversity and the more trials that I endure and experience the care and the help of the Holy Spirit, I begin to know more and more who my Father is. And I trust him even when I don't have all the answers. See, this morning we need to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged in saying, I'm struggling. We need to be encouraged in saying, I'm hurting. We need to be encouraged in saying, I don't even know what to pray. Because when I look at verse 27, here's why I'm encouraged. Because I see that God the Father hears the prayers of the Holy Spirit. And they're always heard. And they're always answered. Because the Holy Spirit can't do anything else but pray according to God's word. And God always hears God's prayers. So you need to be encouraged this morning. If you're struggling, you need to be encouraged in the midst of your pain. Though though the pain may not subside, but there's power and there's peace when we admit our weakness, and say, Lord, I'm turning to you. I'm looking to the Holy Spirit who can carry what I can't carry alone, and I'm taking hope in knowing that the Holy Spirit is praying for me when I'm at a loss for words. Because when I pray just simply the words help, I never have to wonder if I'm praying the wrong thing. You already said at the beginning of this message, I'm thankful for the ministries here at this church. And one of those ministries is Click. It's for our fourth and fifth graders. And they get together once a month and they go do something fun. And this past Friday, they went to the bowling alley. And my son Lucas is, uh, has the opportunity to be a part of that. And here's one thing you need to understand. And I think I've communicated this pretty clearly. I'm pretty competitive. Here's what you may not understand as much Lori's very competitive. You know what that means? That our kids are twice as competitive as we are. So whenever we do something fun as a family, it's a success, especially if it involves anything involving any type of competitiveness whatsoever, that we don't end the night fighting and and crying. And so, Lucas, I knew he was going to the bowling alley, and so I remember saying to him, Lucas, now remember... Lucas doesn't do very well at the bowling alley because he doesn't like to throw gutter balls and he's not yet quite strong enough to throw it down the center of the lane and so that usually ends in not good things. And so I remember saying, Lucas, you're going to a church activity, you're bowling, you might throw a gutter ball and it's just for fun. Here's the stuff. Some people tell me that, I don't believe it, but it's just for fun. And so I'm like encouraging him not to throw an attitude and, and get into an attitude problem there. And then, you know, the worst thing you can possibly say, and you're the pastor's kid. But I remember when, I, when we picked him up, he was so happy and he was so like, man, dad, it was an amazing time. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, we've made progress. But then I found out, you know what they had? They had the bumpers <laughs> in the gutter in the gutters. So it was impossible for you to throw a gutter ball. So he had a magnificent time because he was hitting pins every time he threw the ball down the lane of the bowling aisle because it was impossible to throw a gutter ball. And I share that silly story because when I read verses 26 and 27 of Romans chapter 8 and I'm at a time of my life where I'm at the end of myself And I don't have any more fancy things to say. And all I can say is help. And all I can utter out is a groan. And all I can do is just sit there silent and maybe even bawling your eyes out to where words are not even coming out. But not bitter at God, but really saying, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? God, I'm looking to you for help. You know what the awesome thing is is verses 26 and 27 say you don't ever have to worry that you threw a gutter ball in your prayers. Because the Holy Spirit won't let you do it. He's praying for you when you don't even know what to pray. He's praying prayers for you when you're even praying the wrong thing. He's your helper. And he carries what you can't carry alone. And he prays for you when you're at a loss for words. And I love what 2 Corinthians 11.30 says where Paul says this verse and shares this perspective. He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Like I'm going to boast about the things that bring me to an end to myself. Like, I'm going to boast about the things that have brought me to a place where I can't touch the sides and I can't touch the bottom. But one thing I've experienced is I've experienced the arms of my Lord and Savior through the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that would not be conceivable if it was not for those difficult, painful things. Like, I'm going to boast about those things. And that's why he says in chapter 12, verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then, I'm content. Doesn't say he's happy about it. Doesn't say he's looking forward to it, but he's content. He's unmovable with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, because he understands, man, when I'm at my weakest, the Holy Spirit's at his strongest. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I just want us just to take a moment and us just to take what we heard in God's word and allow what we're experiencing right now to filter through that. What is it? What question that you don't have the answer to? What problem that's bringing enormous pain? What tragedy that's unexplainable? What loss that's inconceivable? is it? Is it? It's causing you to ask questions that you would never want to admit asking. That you just need to go to God with and be honest about it. And know that you're not going to be judged and know that you're not going to be condemned. But knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to minister in a perfect and loving and caring and supernatural way that cannot be explained in human terms. all know those people those people they say how in the world can they keep going how in the world can they get up in the morning and let's not be fooled that they're not dealing with pain and they're not dealing with questions but you know why because they know who to groan to they know who to go to for help And they're experiencing the help that only the Holy Spirit, our helper, capital H, can provide. Man, let's go to Him. Let's lower the wall of our hypocrisy and let's go to Him and admit that we're weak. Because it's when we admit that we're weak that we experience His strength. Let's go to a deeper level in our faith, let's go to a deeper level in our trust. Let's go to a deeper level and experience his strength, that peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 7. And if you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, the man for you, you can call out to him in the quietness of your seat, confess your sin, and trust him as the savior of your sin and your soul. And you can walk out of here with that Holy Spirit who will help you through every situation, every pain, every high point, every low point.